Hey, Jim. Yeah, yeah, Jason? When was the last time you spent the night in a graveyard? October 2012. You and me, yes. buddy. <laughs> We're going to hell together. <laughs> Every day, Jason. Split to Media Alice's Leisure Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell. Hell, 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 hell. To the king, king, king. A Stephen King movie. King movie. A Stephen King movie. King movie. A Stephen King movie. I have done my best to scare the shit out of you guys. <laughs> Jim, it's day. What day is it? <laughs> Say any number. Who cares? 93. It's day 42 of whatever this is. More like day This thing we're poo. doing. Um, it is his day 15. We're in the no, that's not, third week. That's a shade just not halfway. That's not halfway. It's like almost halfway. It's almost halfway. We're beginning the third week here. On... While you're sleeping tonight, we'll be halfway done. <laughs> Uh, we're beginning the third week here on Hell to the King, and mm-hmm. we watched The Graveyard Shift. Because it's halfway through the month, Jason, if all of our listeners sleep with a Stephen King book underneath their pillow, um, a very gruesome fairy will take it. And give them, <laughs> they'll give them half the cover price. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal. There are a lot of those books flying around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I... Before we even talk about this, I just have to ask you. Yeah. Uh, what? What? What did you? Did you? Did you like this movie? <laughs> I. So there are a few tweaks I would make, Jason. Yeah. But I, I would too. Overwhelmingly, I thought this movie was great. Oh god! Thank God. I did too. <laughs> I was really worried we were going to have another cat's eye situation. <laughs> Or I roll up being like, Jim, you were right. These movies are great. And you're like, it sucked. <laughs> you were right. They're all terrible. Um, no, this movie was great. This movie was awesome. This is one I hadn't. I thought, Jason, that Graveyard Shift was the name of a book of short stories. I had no idea what this was. I had no idea going into this movie. You, I hadn't you should it, not really. feel. Uh, you probably don't. But you should not feel bad about that confusion because it is a short story. In a book of short stories called Night Shift. Oh, see? So okay. it is built to be confusing. Yeah. Um, he got me. <laughs> oh, the tricky king. <laughs> um, no, I was so... I just... This... I don't... <laughs> we've, we've really... I, we've had some decent movies, and we've had some yes. fun movies. And yes. we've had a lot of movies that are none of those things. Yes. And I've just felt so in the wilderness. And just watching this movie, I just felt my soul becoming buoyant. (laughs) (laughs) This movie, as much as... I feel like most of these movies, I've... As much as I thought they were all going to be good at the beginning of the month, when I begin these movies, for the most part, I feel like I have a general trajectory for them. And for the most part, they are near it. And I think that Cujo was the first one to really throw me because I assumed because of its cultural impact that it was going to blow me away. And it was it was just <laughs> so terrible. And this movie is the exact 
counterpoint. It's the it's the Yang. I don't know whichever one's whichever one makes you happy. Because this it's one, Andrew I Yang. started it. Yeah, this is Andrew Yang. It gave, it gave me a thousand dollars, Jason. It's this movie. I started it with no expectations, and it just it just kept. It was like it was a like grabbing my cheeks and pinching them like an aunt. But I liked it. I I started this movie with like negative expectations. I this actually. For some reason, I don't know why, because I didn't know anything about the movie, but the yeah. the poster to this movie was fixated in my mind as, like, okay. the, uh, the quintessential example of what I assumed we were going to find, which is, like, bargain basement bullshit uh, chiller thrillers. And, like, sure. for some reason, this was in my mind of, like, that's, that's just going to be a, this worthless movie. So much so that yeah. I almost didn't watch it because for, I couldn't find a copy. And for a mm-hmm. while, the only copy I could find was dubbed in Polish. Amazing. And so I almost just watched that. But then I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, and maybe I just won't watch this movie and I'll let Jim do the talking. But I'm so glad oh. I went and found the movie. I Me too, man. I mean, I would have... It would because here's here's why Jason because if I had watched it and told you about it I would have been all glowy gushy and you would have been like shut up yeah I would have been like I don't believe you yeah there's no way there's no way <laughs> this sounds I just looked up terrible. the poster and you're right it does it looks like a like a dime store it looks very it looks like it's gonna be a like an okay B movie maybe yeah yeah. But, but, like, now that I have seen the movie, I love the poster. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Retroactively. But at the time, it correct. just stuck in my head. Anyway, throwing that aside, <laughs> this, uh, I'm just, we're, <laughs> maybe it's just having done, like, 15 hours of talking about it. But, like, sure, this just sure. felt like such a breath of fresh air. Yes. Ironically, because the entire thing takes place in a musty basement. Yeah, yeah, where they specifically are not breathing fresh air. <laughs> um, the the story to the movie very simple. We yeah. can just get that out of the way, uh, so we can we can move on and talk about. I don't even know where else to start because there's so many things I want to talk about for this movie. Sure, yeah. but lay out the base. There, there's a, a an old textile mill in in Stephen Kingtown, Maine, <laughs> and the workers in that mill are being terrorized by a cruel foreman with a mm-hmm. terrible Maine accent. Uh, mm-hmm. Played by st- the worst, the worst we've heard. The worst, I yeah. One one of the most ambitious, also <laughs> definitely the worst. <laughs> most most of these movies take place at least Maine adjacent, if not directly in Maine, and yes. yet most actors, with the notable exception of Fred of Gwyn. Gwynn from mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery, are are That's sweet, great. sweet Fred Gwynn, uh, who yeah. kills that Maine accent. Most actors know better than to try. Yes. A main yes. accent. Stephen Mocked, who I actually think is quite a good actor, and mm-hmm. whose performance in this movie I love. I I would say this movie has no bad performance. I except maybe the main character. I would say yes. The main character is he's he's a little bit just Dirk Chestmeat. He's a little he's a little <laughs> bland McHero face. Um, yes. But with the possible exception of him, strong performances all around. Yes. Stephen Mocked, good actor. He, I think, his Hoopers got the best Terrible of him. Accent. Because he, I I am somewhat convinced, he's a guy, he was like, Jim, for half the movie, yes. I thought he was Eastern European. <laughs> because he was trying to do this main accent, and I thought that it was just the way he talked. It is, un, it is unclear where 
I, not having seen him in other things, I would believe you if you told me he is from another country and was struggling very hard to just sound American. Right. But so now that I know that Stephen Mott was born in Philadelphia and sounded like that mm. in this movie. Okay. It, yeah. It, yes. It's, <laughs> here's what I'm saying. I now believe Tommy was so when he says that he's American because they sound the same. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's the same sort of yelly, slurred. It's like they just can't quite fit words inside of their cheeks. What are you, what are you doing now? <laughs> he, like, doesn't... No. <laughs> so, so Stephen Macht, uh was, I think, classically trained, like, PhD in acting in Britain, born in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And then coming into right. this movie, I think he just... Ref- he, I think he just took it on himself of, like, I have to do the main accent. And nobody yeah. else in the movie is even trying. And he's trying nobody so else. hard, and it becomes yes. the strangest sound that a human being yes. can make. Yes. His character is so... No, I mean, okay, none of the characters in this movie aren't heightened. <laughs> but his character <laughs> is... It does. He could be from another plane... He could be an alien who invaded and ended up in charge of a textile mill in Maine and is just doing his best. Well, I was convinced for a long time in the movie, actually, that he was supernatural in some way. And maybe we can come back to that because sure. that, that's part of I love this movie, but I have two specific notes of, okay. th- of what I would change to change it from a, a great hidden gem to a stone cold mm-hmm. classic is one of them to make it. 95 minutes of just Brad Dourif launching rats out out of a building through a tube into a river. I would watch that to no end. Just yelling at them, stomping around, that's a, cussing that's at the, rats. That's the, the parallel project that we pitched to the Guggenheim to have yes. as an installation. Yes. Um, it would be like uh, if uh, it would be like if Matthew Barney made good things. Yeah. Ooh, eat it, Barney. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brad Dorif's in this movie. The great, great uh, Brad Dorif. he just stomps all over. Oh, my God. He just won't stop the whole movie. Um, and he has a tiny little ad- adorable mean pet dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who hunts rats with him. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that actually, I'll, I'll now... Uh, finish the short synopsis. Oh, sorry. sorry, you were no, doing it. I, don't apologize to me. I took us off the rails. I'll bring <laughs> us back. Um, the the workers in textile mill terrorized by uh, cruel foreman, uh, and yes. the textile mill has a real rat problem. It is full of yeah. rats. Full of rats. And uh, workers are pulled in in random order or based on whether the foreman likes them that week or not, to do graveyard mm-hmm. shift work, cleaning up and taking care of rats. And yes. people start disappearing. Uh, Jason, would you say it was graveyard shift work, or would you say it's graveyard shift <laughs> It's graveyard <laughs> shift work. Um, people start disappearing. Uh, pretty sure there's some sort of rat-related monster. Uh, yeah. And it pretty it's a pretty straight line from there to to yeah. all the main characters that we've or all the characters that we've met and known going into the basement and then horror happens. There's an interesting so for the first I don't know 30 minutes of the movie there the foreman Stephen Mott is um everyone hates him and they all agree that he's a terrible dude but he seems 
aside from being kind of abrasive, he seems just kind of normal boss irritating. He he's a little sleazy with the women for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, but aside a, from that, it's established he's that he like grumpy. It's established that he sets he's asking up these them to work overnight, like, but he's paying them double time, Jason, to work overnight. And he's asking that he's not forcing them to. He's asking them if they want to, and they all are saying yes. So capitalism is sort of the uh, <laughs> is sort of the villain. True. I also think it's strongly implied that if they say no, they're fired because it, there, there's uh, the whole okay. thing of of like if your name's on the list, you're going down there, and that's why the one woman yeah. who slept with him to get a cushy yeah. office job is freaked out because he's making yeah, her do yeah. the graveyard shift. Okay. So I I think there I think. Because the other thing about this movie, or one of the many yeah. things about this movie that I really like, is that it's incredibly pro-union. Because they also make so it clear that a number of the workers, including my absolute favorite character in the whole film, mm-hmm. Jane, played by Kelly Wolf, uh, oh, are only still there man. because the union has their back. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, won't yeah. buckle to to uh, Warwick. Warwick. Yeah. Warwick. The, the foreman. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, I... I agree that Jane is the best character, but I think in terms of uh, in terms of my reactions to their screen time as a ratio, the the most potent character is uh, is chubby guy who shoots rats with a fire hose <laughs> while, while screaming. While screaming, yeah, <laughs> Jerry Man who goes completely insane on shooting rats with a fire hose. He just. <laughs> Oh, and then eventually starts spraying that other guy in the feet. Yeah, which made me really uncomfortable because I wasn't sure yeah. if the movie... If it was supposed to be a race thing? Well, because <laughs> he's literally sp- spraying a black man with a fire hose, and yeah. like that's pretty yes. fraught imagery, and I wasn't sure if the movie yes. knew what it was doing. Yeah. But then luckily it, it just turns right away from it. Like he's just being a weirdo yeah. and spraying a guy in the feet because he's, he's gone rat crazy. Yeah. But it definitely feels heavier than it seems like it's supposed yeah. to. Yeah. Um, also, Jason, that scene is, if I remember correctly, they is the scene where, so everyone's so furious that they have to go in and work overnight, and presumably they're also working their day shift, right? So they're all exhausted and mad, uh, and they're staying there, uh, and, they're, and they hate Warwick for making them do it. And in the middle of that altercation, someone mentions War, Warwick the Warden's name, and he just pops up. <laughs> He's just also down there. He's he's also here. He's he's like you gotta stay in the basement overnight, and then he's also just hanging out in a corner somewhere watching them. It's crazy, <laughs> Jason. Well, because presumably he's having them do graveyard shift work so that he doesn't have to do graveyard shift work. But then he's just yeah, exactly, there twenty four seven, no matter what. Yeah, just floating around wherever. And also, he could be upstairs in his office, but he's not. No, no. He's just down in the basement with him, standing in the filth, not helping well, <laughs> or doing anything. Well, and so this is part of, too, like, this is part of, for a while, he seems like just a normal mean boss. But then after a while, it seems like he has some sort of supernatural connection to whatever it is that's eating people in sure, the building. Sure, It definitely it seems... At least, like, he has some knowledge. Right. And I was... Of there being more than just a bunch of rats. But it never totally comes together in terms of no. ever making clear what he knew or when he knew no. it. They don't clarify. But he does... I mean, he... When they find the hatch to to where the uh, Rat King thing lives, 
Um, he's clearly doesn't want to go down there because he knows there's something down there. And then when he does go down there, he goes full Schwarzenegger Predator Commando. You know, he he he. It seems like he knows he's prepared. He's so hesitant to go down there, and then once he agrees, it seems like he's like, okay, I, this is where I will die. Right. <laughs> and I and I'm gonna take this thing with me. But at, but at a certain point in time, so so. <laughs> Brad Dorif is yes. an insane uh, rat exterminator who, yes. if I was understanding his monologue correctly, became a rat mm-hmm. exterminator because of his experiences in Vietnam, in which yes. he saw the Viet Cong feed uh, other soldiers to rats. So yeah, now, living people. now he lives out and his trauma. He hates rats so much. He lives much. out his trauma just like yeah. digging into the bottoms of buildings and killing rats with his yes. adorable dog. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, Warwick has him in his office, and he decides that he has to kill him. Yeah, yeah. But like, for no, for not discernible reason. It, the only I can't figure out why. Because he's also Breddorf. It's not like he's like around and he's going to find a secret. Breddorf has done his job, and it wants to. It doesn't care about anything else. But then the yeah, way he's ready to go. So that part is a little bit inscrutable. But then the way that Warwick kills him is he makes yeah. him. He tells him that the rat nest is in the graveyard, and he yeah. basically blackmails him into doing one more night of extermination work in the graveyard. The graveyard yes. that is inexplicably just right outside the window of the mill in yes. a beautifully yeah, yeah, directly next door. Like, the, the way that said is what Warwick overlooks from his yeah. office. Well, and that's the thing. He's just watching him from his office as he's walking around this graveyard. Yeah. And then <laughs> how does it the the little dog that Dorf mm-hmm. has smells something and runs into a crypt yeah. and then Dorf follows him and then yeah. the the uh, like stone coffin in the crypt just tilts and slides and crushes yeah. him. Yeah, it just eats. But like, for, it, just, you don't see any creature doing it. You don't get the sense no. of anything happening. And no. it's completely unclear how Warwick could have known that would happen. But it seems very clear that he did know it would happen. That he, he knows he it is happening. It to happen. Which yeah. is why I thought he, he had some sort of it. weird supernatural connection. Yes, right. Because either he's psychically pushing that building. Onto he's the not man, a psychic, Jim. <laughs> Or he, uh, yeah, or he knows that there's a monster in the crypt that wants to eat a guy. It's, it feels like there is some meat there that then just isn't. Yeah. Or it is, and we just don't see it. Yeah. I have two major changes I would make to the film that, if instituted, would have made this film an instant classic. But you go first. So the main character in this movie, Jason, is just a dude who rolls into town and then gets a job and, and blah, blah, who cares? Yes. Um, and I, it feels like a stark counterpoint to everyone else. It, it, does, it feels like everyone else in this movie is, is fully flavored. They're, they're just bags of spicy sauce <laughs> sloshing around, making impressions. Uh, and he's just, he's just a blank slab of pork uh, that has nothing to offer. Yeah, it feels like there's uh, a whole town which, written, like a whole story yes. about a town written, and then this guy is just sort of layered on top because whoever's making the movie decides they need a hero. Yeah. Yes. And it feels like I would rather... I mean, for me, I feel like Warwick 
for the sec for the last third of the movie almost has a hero turn. You know, he could almost be more of a main character, but he's not really. Well, because he has the he has the like um, the Johnny and Predator scene, right, where he yes. <laughs> just <laughs> exposes himself to the monster. Yeah. We yeah. are going to hell together. Yeah, exactly. I felt like it for me. It felt like it sort of runs a line between almost being a Predator movie and almost being an alien movie and just not quite Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hitting that. And so for me, I feel like I, I almost want a version of this movie and I don't want to replace this. A lot of times when I, when I'm rewriting a movie in my brain, I'm like, I could just swap out to an alternate universe where this is how this movie is. But in this one, I want this movie to still be here. I just, if I were doing a remake, I would, I think I would have them entering... I mean, in any other movie, I would have them entering the floor <laughs> to where the monster is ten minutes in. Um, yeah. But in this, I would I would push it... I'd give them half an hour to have more Brad Dourif wacky antics above Yeah, ground. well, and all the rest um, of the supporting actors. Like, the, and every the rest supporting, supporting actor actors. has... Hose guy. I need hose yeah. guy. I need, or, yeah. like, wacky bit of, guy. Like, yeah, they all yes. have really specific choices they're making as characters yes. that give them a lot of flavor, and I love... All of them. Yeah, agreed. Um, so I would keep, I would let, normally I'm like, get rid of the first act, compress it. But I would let the first act kind of linger in this a little bit because it's such a delightful world. Um, but I, for me, the action sort of really starts clicking along once they get underground. And so I would, if I were doing a version of this, Jason, <laughs> it would be, first of all, who cares about the main guy? He can be there, whatever. But I want Brad Dourif <laughs> and Jane and Hose Guy and uh, Warwick, maybe someone else, but those are the important yeah. ones, to descend into the underground, and then I want 90 minutes of hot, sweaty uh, uh, monster hunt. I want it to be like an alien. Like or more a, like aliens. Like get in there. Alien, yeah, sure. But only. But I'm fine with there only being one big monster, right? I, uh, I like, yeah, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're going down, they're chasing the rats, and they're trying to figure it out, and then there's the, the giant creature, and they're tracking it down, and, you know, Warwick gets to cover himself like he does. He gets to smear mud on his face and scream, and, um, you know, and, and then at the end, you know, the, a couple of them get out, and Brad Dourif is buried underground to reemerge in the sequel, and, yes, uh, yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's, for me, that's the best version. Of I would love that version. I would watch it many, many times. Um, Thank you. Here's what I would do. And it, yeah, it's based me. on what, at first, I thought the movie was doing, but then it wasn't. Okay. Um, yes. The monster in this movie is a yeah. giant rat bat, essentially. Yeah, it seems like it's a giant rat, right? And then it's like, well, I got wings! Yeah, it's, and it's... it's like some kind of giant <laughs> rat bat thing. Um, yes. And it... it, it, it Rat bats around and it eats people. Yeah, uh, and it's it's yes. a good monster. I like the monster. I Agreed. like the way they introduce the monster. I like the mm-hmm. way that the monster shot. Like you know, mm-hmm. obliquely, you don't see too much, but you mm-hmm. see just enough to be fun. Um, and yeah. like, and then when you finally do see it, the creature stuff is really well done. Yeah. Um, but I thought, and maybe it's partially because I spent half the movie thinking Stephen Mott was doing an Eastern European accent. Um. Mm-hmm. But it's also definitely because it felt like there was some lurking evil controlling things or that Stephen Mott was in league with. I I had a reverse Salem's Lot on this movie. (laughs) I spent a lot of it thinking it was going to end up being a Dracula movie. Sure, sure. 
Um, I thought that's yeah, yeah. And especially when the way he kills Brad Dorif, that's a so much. <laughs> that's a much stronger read on this movie than this movie has on itself. So, like, it makes a lot more sense if Warwick is like a Renfield type guy who's yeah. being controlled sure. by a Dracula, or at yeah, least is being like you know influenced by a Dracula. Like it makes sense sure, why you kill like Brad Dorif with a graveyard instead is. of with any yeah. other weapon. Um, yes. And why he, like, keeps sending people down there. And it, it would just kind yeah. of make it all... I, why he's even drawn to run the mill in the Yeah, like, I don't, I don't need things... You know this about me. I don't things need things to really make sense. I don't want, <laughs> sure, like, sure. careful explanations of stuff. As we've said no, more than once on this podcast, explanations yeah. are for nerds. Yeah, agree. But thematically, tonally, it would make it yeah. so much more cohesive to have it be some yeah. sort of, like, Nosferatu Dracula bat creature yes um even i mean even just like they're in a what a textile mill from the mid 1800s it would that's it's just like one piece of flavor that makes all of the things that are already in the movie hang together because it 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 feels like that's what the movie wants to do already when they finally like get underground and they find its It's lair and there's just those like piles of bones everywhere and it's this beautiful map painting where you're just seeing this like cascading mountain of bones and you see the mill on the hill and it's like an old dark house and it's just oh my god it like it has all of the gothic tonal yes. tonality to it but it just it doesn't pull the trigger story-wise and i just wanted a little yeah. bit more there um yeah so here's the other change i would make and this is the one that would have made this a stone cold classic it would have rescued this movie from the terrible reviews and bad box office that it got it would have led ralph singleton on to a long career of making movies that i probably wouldn't care as much about as i care about this one Flip the main character, uh, what's his name? John, whatever his name is, and uh, and Jane. Make Jane, the tough lady, the main character. Make her the one who makes it out at the end. You can still yes. have the oh, main absolutely. character. You can still have him roll into town and have the scene where she yes. like looks him up and down. It's like, oh, he looks good. I'd like to have his boots next to my bed. Um, but yeah. like you have it from her perspective where and it, it, then that fixes his character, too. The, the movie is trying to have its hero be this dude and have his love interest be interesting because she's his love interest. But the script and the actor, Kelly Wolf are just too interested in that character. They make that character too interesting and too awesome. And normally in these movies... Um, you have the main mm-hmm. character is a, you know, a man who gets to be interesting. And then there's a love interest yes. who's just a pretty face. But in this movie, yes. you have the main character who's <laughs> not interesting and his love interest <laughs> who is the most interesting person in the movie. So yes. just make Agreed. her the main Agreed. character and make him her eye candy. And all of a sudden, yeah. all of the movie structural problems are fixed. Fully on And then if you flip it and you have everything from her perspective, then also that's going to give, you know beef slab chin meat the more of a a character or more of a, a you know aura of character because you're gonna see him through her eyes as opposed to them trying to make you see her through his eyes but like who gives a shit because she's way more interesting and yeah like she likes him because he maybe she likes him because he's new because he's clean because he's good and then we watch through her eyes as he does these sort of heroic things that she also su- supports and builds him up to and gives him the courage to do because she's been fighting this fight since way before he got here um and then at the end instead 
instead of having Warwick kill her and having Bland Chin Face escape, you have Warwick kill the dude that she loves for her to like oh, to, yes. for her tragedy, yes. and then she's the one who like claws her way out and survives yes. and kills the rat creature, and then she's around for your aliens type sequels because then there's going to be more right. rat creatures down there. And I think I think that's part of what was pushing me more in the alien yeah. direction is that yeah, she, she's like a Ripley. She could be the leading character yeah. in this movie and she has the charm and she seems like she could be you know in the sequels I'm she's gonna the you know graveyard shift yeah. double overtime she's the one who's gonna <laughs> lead a team back into the yeah. pits to get revenge for you know losing her, her the love team, of her including, life including hose guy who is the only other survivor yes. uh but who's been irrevocably damaged mentally and then they go down into the caves and find brad Dourif still sweating yeah who's just living there with like a piece of gravestone stuck in his head but like just yes exactly killing rats everywhere you can so that those are the two things you make it a dracula story and you make jane the main character uh who like you know fights all the way to the end and yes. you do those two things, you have a classic that is still talked about to this yeah. day. And also Kelly Wolf's career, because she's still like working, but she's not working that much. And it like when you look at her IMDb, it really bummed me out because I went to look her up because I'm like, who is this woman? Why have I never seen her before? I She's amazing. I am in love with her. Like she's just doing all kinds of work. And she's got like kind of a drip drab medium little IMDb. It's possible. That she, mm-hmm. you know, made choices uh, along the way and didn't, like, pursue the kind of career that maybe I think she should have had. But she has not had sure. the kind of career I think she should have had. Um, from In that she's not Yeah, famous. she's not famous. She's not, like, she doesn't have a huge list of great credits. Um, she, yeah. she has consistently worked sometimes. Um, okay. All right. But in this movie, Jim, she's... Like, yeah. I want an oral history of the making of this movie. And 100%. we're not going to make it unless I go make it. And I don't have time yeah. to do that. What I really want to know, I want to know the story behind Ralph yeah. Singleton, the director. Because this sure. is his yeah. only movie that he's directed. Yeah, really? This is it. It's a solo bolo. That's... No. Um, and he, no. it's one of those. It's it's like Return to Oz. I have to put yeah. it on a list. <laughs> My return to yeah, Oz. Yeah, I have that list too. Um, it's that and Pumpkinhead. But he <laughs> he was. I'm going to pull it up now because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, he was an assistant director and like a line producer, uh, production manager for a long okay. time. And he worked. I'm going to read you some of his credits right now, Jim. Okay, please. Uh, assistant director on Death Wish. Okay. Assistant second assistant director on Taxi Driver. Second assistant director on Network. These are just the cherry pickings. Like, he had (laughs) other things in between this. Other, yeah. Uh, Unit production manager for nine episodes of Kojak. What? Uh, Unit production manager for another 48 hours. Okay. And Last Man Standing, both Walter Hill movies. Yeah. He's worked with everyone who Um, knows. He... So he and he also I was trying to Google him a little bit. I'm pretty sure he's the same sure. Ralph as Singleton that has a line of um, instructional books on like how to schedule <laughs> your movie shoot, how to budget your movie, how to oh, like sure, do. Sure. There's all of these, you know, production instruction. UPM tasks. I feel yeah. like I need to get all of them because based on yeah. this movie and yeah. that credits list, he has so much wisdom to yeah. give us. 
Oh, for sure. Also, he deserves your seven. Yeah, if he's even alive, I don't know. Um, but so <laughs> he better be because otherwise your oral history is going to be missing a crucial <laughs> voice. Is it cheating if you're doing an oral history to use a medium or Ouija board to talk to a dead guy? I'm going to say in this instance, no. Great. Okay. Yeah, on. it's probably incomplete if you didn't do that. Yeah, at least try. At least try to talk to his spirit. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, I, I, we're never going to get it because I feel like this Tracky movie lot. is way too minor. Um, but I, sure. I like the only way we're going to get it is if I do it but myself. Jason, imagine if it hadn't been what, <laughs> what, what, that's, and that's what I, having watched the movie, I was confused why this isn't one of the ones that I hear about or have heard about or was super hip to in any way. Graveyard Shift isn't or wasn't until today, which is stupid. Everyone should watch I do. I think it came out, it must have came, I think, I feel like it came out at a point in time of, like, real Stephen King saturation. And it's also, it's the kind of, like, grimy, gritty, scrappy, little horror movie that doesn't get the kind of love that it deserves. Although I don't know why it hasn't been rediscovered. There's so much more given to this movie than needed to be given. It's it's one of those movies when I when I say I have story notes or like I have things that I would change, it's not how it normally would be where I'm, you know, watching a movie and going like, "Oh, that's too bad. It could have been good. Here's what I would do." This is just abject love. This is me coming to this movie and bringing this movie a corsage and saying, "I think this would look lovely on you and I'd be honored to place it." Yeah. It is don't don't read any of those tweaks as this not being a fun. It's itself. not just like fun and and you know sort of inventively, excitedly written and acted. It looks really good. It looks um, cool. I don't know who shot it. I forgot to look that up. But it it, it like sure. the the cinematography and the production design on this like the both all of the sets like the mill is so yes. well constructed to look you know, yes. mildewy and weird and, like, it's basically going to collapse at any moment. And, like, the, yeah. what we talked about before where there's just a graveyard next to it, like, I, that's not a complaint. Yeah. I think that's great. No. <laughs> and the way the yes. graveyard looks and the way it's overlooking the graveyard, it's all if wonderful. If you were an OSHA inspector and you went to watch this film, you would, you would have to leave. <laughs> you would, yeah, you would have a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. And this is so far, so far the the has had the best punching above its weight. Oh yeah, one hundred percent of all the. No, movies this is bought. this is what we this is what I wanted to do this series for was to find a movie to like find this graveyard. Like yeah, we're done. Yeah. We have to do the rest of it, but we're done. We've done it. Do we? We've gotten. Wait, wait. Do do we? <laughs> yeah, Jim. Because we have to earn this. Uh. This is a test of our character. We've gotten we've yeah. gotten the treasure, but now we have yeah, to show that we deserve it. It's like the end of the trip. Right, we have to make we have to make the trek back. With exactly, the we got to go back up the story circle. Jim, this movie gives me gives me hope. Not necessarily that we're going to uh, see another good movie, but just that we can survive sure. it. We just have to we have to I keep the in. energy of this movie in our hearts as we go forward. Yeah, we do. We need to ride the graveyard shift to the end. I came into this I last night had a half thought where I was like, ha, I'm going to make a joke about how they're not episodes, they're schlepisodes. But I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it today. I mean, I could have just saved it for tomorrow. Yeah, I guess. I'm sure tomorrow will be miserable. But, but now I've fired it into the atmosphere. It's gone. Um, this was great. This is the most fun I've had watching a Stephen King movie. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> oh, okay. 
I'm just going to drift on this one. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Did you say hell to the king at any point? I don't know. Did I? Show's over. So hard. So juicy. Damn! Graveyard shit. Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios, and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is recorded. You got a problem? I ain't got a problem. You got a problem? I ain't got a problem. What's your problem, boy? The graveyard shit. No problem. No problem. Come on, take a break. Somebody call break. Break's over. Come on, take a break. Don't piss me off. Break's over. You better be punching out your time card. Come on, take a break. Yeah. <laughs>